Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Yesterday, President Trump ended, at least in part, a humanitarian crisis of his own making. Under really intense political pressure from all sides, he signed an executive order that put an end to the practice of forcibly separating asylum-seeking parents and children as they cross the Mexican border into the United States. Now, they are still going to carry through with prosecutions, but now say they're going to keep families together. They also, though, have no plan to immediately reunite the 2,300 kids who are sitting in cages without their parents in detention centers. Joining us now to talk about this latest turn in this story is Fred Upton, a Republican congressman from St. Joseph. He represents Michigan's 6th Congressional District. Fred, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thanks, Stephen. Good to always be with you. Yes. So let's start with what happened uh, yesterday and, and overnight, this latest turn in this story. What do you make of the president's executive order? Well, first of all, I'm glad that he listened to a lot of us. Uh, I was one of the first to say when we learned about it actually about two weeks ago, I certainly in a number of meetings, I said this policy uh, separation had to end. Uh, we saw the the videos, uh, heard the cries, uh, saw the anguish and, uh, this last weekend, and I did a, an early statement saying it had to end now. Uh, I was joined by lots of different folks, mm-hmm. from John McCain to Laura Bush to obviously members of the Michigan congressional delegation on both sides of the aisle, uh, that it had to end. But you know what? It exposes a larger fissure, uh, and that is we have to deal with this immigration issue. Sure, It's broken. It's broken across the board, which was one of the reasons why I helped lead the effort to uh, uh, see a discharge petition. This is a sort of an inside baseball uh, procedure in the House mm-hmm. where you can discharge a an issue from a committee that might otherwise not move forward with legislation. Right, right. And that threat, we got 216 signatures. Dave Trott was another Republican from Michigan that signed it with me, all the Democrats. That threat uh, force the issue to the House floor, where we're going to have votes on Thursday afternoon to see if we can't do something on immigration. And the bill that I'm going to support uh, the, the ends family separation. This is one of the issues, of course, that was prompted mm-hmm. uh, this last week. It gives dreamers a path to citizenship. It limits chain migration. It ends the diversity lottery. And, in fact, it funds border security. And we're hoping that we can pass that. Don't know if we can or not. And that would set up uh, a conference then with the Senate, which needs to move something as well. Uh, but, you know, it goes back to what the president said last fall. Congress, do your job. We need legislation to fix the problem, not a patchwork of executive orders. So I'm glad he signed the executive order yesterday, uh, but it underscores the need to actually pass legislation to fix the problem that's uh, so broken in so many different ways. So so one of the things that uh, I think uh, President Trump and, and some of the other officials in the administration have said was that this was Congress's issue to fix, not the White House's. Uh, wh- what do you think about that? sort of tactic, that uh, that kind of pressure, I guess, being put on, on Congress uh, to, to try to fix this under duress, uh, under the, the, the weight of these images and videos that we see of kids in cages and crying for their parents. Uh, is, is that the right way to get us to a solution? No, it's, it's 
It's not. And, you know, I know the president said early on that uh, he couldn't fix it with a stroke of a pen, but guess what? He, he just did, did right. And, uh, and I think, you know, and I saw some of the news this morning before I left for the office and uh, giving credit to the two women in his life, being his wife and daughter. And uh, I think that they did have a lot to, to say about it. But, you know, there was a real outcry, let's face it. Uh, I heard from lots of people in, in my district, southwest Michigan. I was in Detroit earlier uh, this week and heard it from a number of folks uh, over there mm-hmm. on your side of the state mm-hmm. as well. Uh, it's it's heartbreaking. You can't. And, of course, since then, since Monday, we saw that there were even some infants taken under one year old yeah. that were taken here to Michigan. I mean, that's that's just, hey, it shouldn't be happening. Uh, that is for sure. And to, to put kids into cyclone cages, and uh, that's just, you know, you and I are we're on the same page here. Now, the question that, of course, is asked, remember the president signed it late Wednesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the question is already, well, what's going to happen to the 2,500 kids or so that we know are there? How fast are they going to be reunited? Hopefully it's pretty darn quick. Uh, I don't know what the answer uh, to that question is that you posed a few minutes ago. Uh, I know that the Department of Homeland Security and HHS is saying that they're waiting for guidance. But we we got to put these uh, families back together. Uh, we're aware of a suicide of, of one dad mm-hmm. who was, was mm-hmm. separated from his family uh, not too long ago. Um, you know, th- this has got to get fixed. And uh, hopefully, again, uh, the House today can pass some legislation to start the ball rolling. It's not perfect, that's for sure. Uh, but begin the process of, of really legislatively Uh, fixing a problem that we know is uh, all too well identified. Yeah. Uh, I'm also curious about what you make of the prospects for uh, a deal on greater immigration reform in the House. It's something that's that's, uh, been really difficult to achieve for a really long time now. Uh, Do you think that things have changed in that conversation in a way that makes that more possible right now? You know, I don't know. Uh, I've been working this issue for actually for years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I got farmers on my side of the state that individually are going to lose uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in unpicked crops because they don't have a migrant f- workforce there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met a woman she, almost in tears from a little town called Sodus, which doesn't have a, even a four-way stop, I don't think. She doesn't have migrant housing. Uh, her dad really wants her to be a centennial farm. They're just a couple years away from it. She needs eight workers for peaches. That's an August crop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to pick a tree three times. You got to, I don't know, 80, 80, 100 acres. She doesn't think she's going to be able to field a, a workforce and, and, the, and the farm is going to be lost. Yeah. Um, but whether it's that, whether it's you name the employer, a small business, a bagel shop, or a you know, tool and die uh, business on my side of the state, they're all looking for workers, construction. I mean, all these different things. And, you know, Mackinac Island, I mean, we got restaurants up there that are closed for lunch again this year because they don't have a workforce. And, you know, they don't need people in January and February. Nobody's there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's just it is a broken system. I'm hoping that my colleagues uh, will realize that this is the first step to actually getting a bill legislatively done. 
but I don't know what the prospects are going to be, but I know I'm not going to give up. So, so I think one of the things that also, also always comes up in this conversation is that balance between some of the things that you were talking about, which are economic issues and immigration ties really closely into those, no question. But then there's this, this uh, I think, larger specter around the entire conversation, and that's the moral questions that, that, that we face here. This idea of what and what America is and who we are as Americans, the idea of America as a place that people around the globe think of as a place to go for opportunity uh, and, and freedom. Uh, when you are thinking about this issue and how you might vote on whatever legislation comes up, how much, uh, how much do you have to balance those two? What's, how much of this is economic for you? How much of this is just about who we are as Americans? Oh, you're exactly right. There's a lot of heart and soul in this. And this, you know, this, this uh, latest issue of <clears throat> uh, separating kids, uh, infants, uh, five, six-year-olds, that's not who we are, nor should it ever be who we ever will be. Uh, and I got to tell you, I know so many personal stories. I, I met uh, a couple weeks ago with a with a family. Uh, the dad is from Mexico. Mm-hmm. He's undo- he's undocumented. Uh, he married a uh, a girl that I actually knew uh, a long time ago. She's a U.S. citizen. They have twin boys, uh, born here in the U.S. Uh, he has two jobs. He pays his taxes. He's scared to be in a car. He actually rides his bike to work because he doesn't have a driver's license. He's been picked up once before, and he knows that a second offense, even though he paid a $250 fine, he's done. They're going to deport him. Wow. And what happens to his family? We had, uh, you know, I was with Debbie Dingle last night. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, We were at a, a bipartisan event, and uh, she had someone. She came to me. I'm, you know, I've been in Congress longer than she has, even though we've known each other a long time. She had a, a family in her district over there in Dearborn area, your side of the state. Jorge uh, Garcia, uh, married man from Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, was undocumented. Uh, wife, I want to say two or three teenage girls, yes, yes. ran a business, paid his taxes, didn't even have a parking ticket, let alone uh, and physically detained and removed in January of this year, and he can't even apply to come back for 10 years. I mean, this is not who we are. Uh, This is not the America that we know. Now, I don't have a problem with the MS-13 folks. Yeah, they they need penalties uh, banned from being here, all all of that type Mm -hmm. of thing. But when we have people, you know, I, I meet with my dreamers. I've got couple of big universities, Western Michigan and K College over on the, the West Hope College as well. We've got some dreamer kids. Uh, some of them now are, are married because they've been here so long. They're, they're working. They're paying taxes. Their life is totally unsettled. Uh, and, and um, you know, that, that's why we need a legislative fix. And I, I'm just hoping that we can come together. Right? Today's bill, if, if we pass it, it'll probably be Republicans only because it's not as comprehensive as frankly as I'd mm-hmm. like it to see, mm-hmm. uh, but at least it's a step forward, and we can make improvements. If it fails, we're back to the to the uh, grindstone, and we'll 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 see what else uh, we can do. But we can't allow this thing to to fester like it is. It's just um, you know, it's you, I'm in Congress to make tough decisions mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. have votes. 
Uh, and that's what the discharge petition did. Again, that was successful in at least bringing the issue to the floor. But had we not done so, this issue would not even be up on the floor this week. Sad to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, Congressman Fred Upton, Republican from St. Joseph, representative of Michigan's 6th Congressional District. Thanks very much for joining us on Detroit Today. You bet. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, the newspapers here reported that the state of Michigan has begun taking in some of the babies who were taken from their parents at the border, and they are placing these infants with foster parents. It is a really difficult scene to imagine. These babies taking plane rides without their parents off to an unknown world full of strangers hundreds or thousands of miles from their parents. But this is where we are. This is President Trump's America. The American Academy of Pediatrics has come out firmly against the practice of separating children from the asylum-seeking parents. My next guest says it amounts to government-sanctioned child abuse. Teresa Haltrop is the president of the Michigan chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and she joins us now. Uh, Dr. Haltrop, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Mm -hmm. So... uh, I think anyone who is a parent uh, can can probably answer this question uh, pretty quickly and pretty correctly. But but I want you to talk uh, a little about how children respond to the trauma when they are separated from a parent. What we are most concerned about within the American Academy of Pediatrics is that by separating um, children from their parents, Um, during the critical developmental early years of life, we are actually creating stress in the children that is going to have lifelong effects and probably generational effects. Um, That by being separated from those whom whom the children know and trust and are bonded to, we are um, creating a situation where the children are experiencing physical elevations of, of stress responses, physical elevations of stress hormones that in turn then cause changes in the brain and in other parts of the body. And, and it's not just simply a matter of, oh, it feels so bad if they're separated and, oh, they'll get over it. No, we are actually creating um, uh, situations where these children will have lifelong health, mental and physical health effects. Uh, federally sanctioned child abuse. That is a very, very powerful term. Explain that idea. And then tell me if you think that that's something that there is a legal path to make an argument against the federal government for its role in this. Well, um, I mean, as a, as a country, we strongly believe that um, child abuse is not right. I think we'd all agree on that. Sure. And um, we, we, step, we have our government step in um, on the local level, on the federal, state level, and on the federal level in order to prevent child abuse. What are we trying to do when we prevent child uh, abuse? We're trying to prevent children from coming to harm. And by separating parents from their children, from a, you know, the, the government is... is trying to create a situation where the parents are deterred from um, coming in. I get that. But if the, 
the, the punishment has such a detrimental effect on the children, is that really the intent of the government? I'm sure it is not. Um, but it is, as adults, it's fairly easy for us to um, say, oh, it isn't so bad, because we're looking at it through the lens of our adult eyes. And we, um, we know now that there, there's strong, strong research out there that shows that um, the, the effects of this stress is not just a transient effect, it's a, it's a toxic stress. It's a stress that is going to have lifelong effects. And so um, we need to really, if we are a country that prides itself on having moral obligations, we really need to, to um, st- step forward and say, this is not right. Yes, I understand that there are um, things that we're trying to um, get parents to do, but in this case, we are punishing the children. Is that really what we want to do? And we're not just punishing the children, we're harming the children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so these children are being brought to Michigan, at least some of them, and placed in foster homes. Talk about the things that could be done or should be done to try to, I guess, mitigate the, the effect of this trauma on these children. The, the main thing that needs to be done is there needs to be reunification as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, President Trump has signed an executive order to stop the separation at the border, but that does not address what happens to those children who have already been separated. And these are children who are as young as eight months old. They do not understand what is going on. As they are separated from their parents, the person that they are most likely most bonded to um, that person, after a period of time, basically has died for them. And we know that children as young as a few months old go through a grieving response. So, um, and, and it, 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 this is just something that the only way to counteract that is by reuniting them, yeah. ASAP. And it needs to happen um, from the, the youngest, um, to the to the older children, the youngest need to be reuni- reunited faster um, or as fast as possible. That needs to be immediate, and if you need to do it in a stepwise approach, but really every child needs to be reunited with their parent as soon as possible. Yeah. How involved is the community of pediatricians throughout the country uh, sort of uniting around this issue? Is this a unique circumstance, something you haven't seen pe- bring people together uh, in your profession quite this way? I, I can tell you, I have seen other things that have um, gotten us hot under the collar and that we have felt strongly about, but this is probably the most radical um, situation that I have ever encountered, and it is just simply unanimous. Um, as pediatricians, we know the harm that is being done, and um, I know of no pediatrician who is not ready to stand up and speak out about it. Um, at Children's Hospital of Michigan, they are organizing a one-minute um, uh, of silence every day in Brush Mall, until, uh, which is the area right behind the hospital, um, for people to come together and have a moment of silence um, in order to protest what is happening. Um, the, um, our, our board of the Michigan chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics has unanimously um, stepped forward and said, this is absolutely not right. We need to do something about this. Other chapters across the country have spoken out in support of the National American Academy of Pediatrics position. I mean, this is just really unique how much it has 
galvanized the pediatric community. Okay, Dr. Teresa Haltrip, president of the Michigan chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Thanks very much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thank you very much. Up next, we're going to talk about the revitalization of our famous train station and what it might mean in the larger picture of Detroit's resurgence. We're also going to talk about how developments like this benefit people at the bottom of the economic ladder. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Also, forget don't forget that if you have to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.